North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. And another week's gone. And, and another week is gone. And we're here again. It's flying by. Yep. It was good to have in the Commodore on last week. It was indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It was good, great hearing from Kevin. Yep. No, that was good. Yep. Um, and then this week, we uh, really interesting guests this week, would you say? Oh, absolutely. I think um, someone who's pretty well known around North Otago, who had a long history here, um, moved away more recently. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll find out a bit more about him. And probably someone that sees North Otago from a different angle, like has a different culture. And so, Mm. That's what I'm really uh, interested in talking to the, this gentleman today. So do you want to introduce him? Yeah, it's um, definitely going to be, a, I'm sure, an interesting talk and a, a, a talk a bit, a bit about our combined cultural history. So it's a real pleasure as, uh, as we get into this one to welcome Peter Lee. So welcome, Peter. Hi, Gary. Uh, Damien. Great to good have, afternoon. Yeah, great. Good afternoon to you. So really good to have you here. And um, we're having to do this by phone because you're you're not living in Omaru now, but um, very pleased that you're able to join us. Take care of Yeah. Where do we find you? Where are you living in the moment, Peter? Where have you moved to? I've moved to Palmston North. I'm in a retirement village. Yep. It's got a nice, eerie... Yeah, retirement village, and it just suited us fine for our retirement. Awesome. And probably a wee bit closer to Bevan. Any other family up there? Well, actually, we're closer to Rachel oh, in Palmerston North. Yeah, is that where she lives? She lives in Palmerston North, just about uh, 300 metres away from us. Oh, yep. that's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> and Bevan is in, in Wellington. Yeah. And that's where we are at the moment. Babysitting. <laughs> ah, very good. So we always start with the question, you know, were you born in North Otago? I mean, I'm, I'm just going to leap ahead a wee bit there and say, well, I'm pretty sure you weren't born in North Otago. But, you know, t- tell us about, you know, we, where were you born and, you know, when did you arrive in, in our wonderful district? Well, I was I'm actually born, I was actually born in China. Mm-hmm. In the province of Guangdong, yes, uh, but the, in a county what they call Taishan, it is a little wee county, more or less the size of North Otago, I suppose. Right, and we live in the village uh, about the same distance as Elma from Amru. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember as a six-year-old, we had to walk to town to do the shopping. So it's not that far away. Yep. And this place is uh, placed about uh, uh, an hour's drive from Guangdong City and about three hours from Hong Kong. Wow. What was it like growing up in China in those days, Peter? I think it was good fun. Yep. Just imagine imagine you living in Herbert yep. with mm-hmm. tightly, tightly closed housing. And in the background is bush, and we had a lot of fun. Like you would, you and Devon would have fun yep. in our place. 
and there's a there's a wide open space to explore in. We go in the bush and then find some bees or whatever and raid their nests and eat the honey and go uh, frog hunting and, and, and all that sort of thing. We had a lot of fun climbing here and there. We're just open space and it's safe and no care in the world. So, yeah, not too dissimilar to here, but um, a very long way away. It sounds like a yeah. great childhood. It sounds like you had a really fantastic childhood growing up. Yeah, I think so, yes. So, uh, that was only about the age of seven, though. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we, that, that century was a very bad century, I hear, because uh, I actually remember running away from the Japanese, uh, running and hiding in the hills. Wow. Well, the Japanese were advancing through China. Yeah. So, so those were the years. So it was the Japanese-China conflict or war? World War Two. Yeah, this is during the, the Second World War, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think my father carried me on his back running away from the Japanese. And then I told me that I had to, to kill their meat with them, carry them, and just just hide, hide away from them. Wow. So did they go through your village, the Japanese? And yeah, I think I think they did. I think they did. I think there was a few uh, small conflicts with some of the between them and, and their villages, sort of thing. Yeah. So if they're brave, if they're brave enough, that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so when you were born, um, you know, what what was your family doing at that time? Were they farmers? What what was the what what was your what were your parents? My father, my father was actually uh, involved as a salesman in 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 cloth like material. Yep. He had a, he had a store in, in in a street in place in the city, and he biked to to work every day. And sometimes I go with him. So that's what he uh, his trade. But we we had our own. The plot, the home plot, which my mother looked after, and I used to go with her, work over there. And we used to plant, plant the cumulus, peanuts, and whatever. So uh, just like mum and a mummy, and then suddenly we would go out to the heart paddock and muck around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and other siblings? What, what did you have there? Uh, we had either. Um, Two sisters at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a wee bit, a bit, a wee bit younger than me. Yeah. Uh, they, I was at school, but they weren't school age yet then. So I think I, we we came to New Zealand in 1949, and we left them behind. Just me and my father came to New Zealand. Oh wow! And they, they didn't come and meet up with us till 1961. Twelve years. Yeah. A, yeah. So, so your dad and how did you come? Was it via ship? Yes, we we went to Canton and caught a boat to Hong Kong, and then from Hong Kong we caught a merchant ship uh, via Cairns. We stopped in Cairns. Yep. And then we stopped in Sydney for two weeks. Stayed in the hostel for two weeks, waiting for a connection to go to Wellington. Mm. So, uh, 
And in this merchant ship, I remember that we, it was fairly rough and tumble, like, just a step in the bunk and all that, and, and no dining table, we just squatted on the deck for meals and all that. Yeah. And the uh, first time I knew that uh, fish can fly. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, uh, well, there was flying fish, and that just flew over the boat, and I was quite amazed that there's fish that can fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big, big experience for a weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause, so cause what age were you? Oh, that was about seven then. Seven. Yeah. So, yeah. so Dad, how did he, why New Zealand? Did he just want to make a better life for you and the family, or did you have relatives over here, or was it... Was it did he just take a gamble and move to New Zealand, or what, what was the story surrounding all that? Well, we're, we're, we're actually very poor, and, and like Reggie Joe said, you've got no idea how poor people would be when people can't afford the doctor to see their baby, yep. and they die as a result. Well, that's how poor our area was. Mm. And actually, my grandfather was here. He arrived here in 1920. And he went back home and, uh, with a bit of money and built a house. But eventually, our uncle brought us out to New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, I lived in Christchurch, whereas my father came straight to Omru and worked in the Magagan for Chitongs. Mm-hmm. So, was it. Was it- Bit scary for for you as a seven year old heading off overseas, or was it a bit of an adventure? What was your approach to that one? Oh yeah, it's a bit of an adventure, all right. Uh, while we stayed in in Sydney for two weeks, we we, we were playing cricket with the the wharfies there. <laughs> and we, and we walked across the Sydney Bridge, you know, and we stumbled on Luna Park. Yeah. And next day, I wanted Dad to take me back to Newland Park. So it is, it was an adventure. Yeah. And I suppose you don't remember everything. Yeah. So, so on the um, on the the merchant vessel that you were spent your time was 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 it a Chinese ship? I mean, yeah, was it crewed by Chinese? From Sydney to Wellington, it was a it was a, a liner. And I remember the adults all being bedridden with seasickness. Mm-hmm. And us kids, there's about, there was 12 of us in the group, and, so, and there's some all around, uh, about half a dozen around my age. Mm-hmm. And we ran, ran around the ship, and uh, I remember coming mealtime, uh, us little wee kids hung around the doorway looking at people dining. And we did not know, without the adults looking at us, we didn't know what to do. And the waiters ushered us in, sat us at the tables, and so we had a, we had a, we had a great time. <laughs> you got to eat all their food as well, probably. They, would, they wouldn't have much of an appetite. <laughs> well, all they was able to eat was a banana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, well, and, and so, how, how long do you remember? How long that took to get from um, from China to New Zealand? I think the, the the boat trip must have took us about two weeks. I think, and where's the? I can't remember how what the Sydney to well to Wellington was. Probably four days or something like that. And was did Dad have a job to go to, and you were yeah. left in Christchurch? How long was that for? Well, well, well funnily enough, my father met 
the boss of this Maokan in Sydney on the way back to China. And as soon as he hit Christchurch, the, the, his partner came and picked her up and took him straight to Amaru and, and I stayed with my uncle in Christchurch. Right. So left left China without a job but got here with one. So Yeah. yeah yes. Very yes. good. Yeah. So I went to school in Christchurch for, for 49 to 56, I think. Went to primary school there. Wow. How often would yeah. you get to see Dad? Not very often. No. Oh yeah, I go. I go there when I was a bit older. I went. I came to Amru during my school holidays. Yep. Yeah. By that time, he, he would have bought, him, bought himself, uh, not bought himself, leased a bit of ground and built himself a house. And I was, I was able to stay with him during the school holidays. Travel by train every every school holidays and and be with him during the holidays and go back to Christchurch. Was it that the same land that you ended up farming on, or was it a different? No, no, no. He, from that, by the time the, my family, the rest of my family came out in 1961, he had bought, remember Fraser's Bacon? Fraser's, mm-hmm. Tom Fraser's farm, homestead. We bought, we bought that. His piece of his farm and split them up amongst the, the Lee clan. So he progressed quite fast as far as his own business went. So, how, how big was that, that farm when he bought that? I think it was a, it was about 120 acres split into four. Right. Amongst our, clan, our Lee families. Yeah. Mm. Right. And, so the, the Lee family became quite well known in, in the community because of that. And and so yeah, really making the most of those uh, rich soils. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you you're still sit, sitting up in Christchurch. You're going to school. Um, you yeah. Did did you did you know any English when you got here? How? No, didn't know any English. Oh. I remember. Uh, at, at the school, there was about 10 of us. Age, I was the youngest from to 30 years old. And this uh, this school had a Chinese nun there. And they, she took our classes uh, more or less in Chinese and English. Right. Yeah, but most of the elders moved on, whereas I, I started from the primers mm-hmm. right through. Oh, so there was. Did you go there because that nun was there? Uh, was that, that the the best way to to get integrated into the system to learn English well enough? Yes, I think so. I think as soon as we got here, we moved into a normal normal school. All of us squatting on little wee primers chairs and all that, <laughs> <laughs> and, and us. Uh, chatting away loudly in their own language, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think somehow we got, we managed to find this place where they catered for us. So we, we ended up uh, well, I ended up with primary school at uh, St Michael's in Christchurch. Right. And were the New Zealanders good to you? Oh yes, I find the New Zealanders good to me. Actually, I found in, during that time. It was a it was a Chinese that was bad to me. Is that right? Uh, 
he went when I'm from China and I don't speak their language, so I'm a bit different. Yeah. And we end up rolling on the street sometimes, you know, uh-huh. with the Chinese, with the Chinese, New Zealand Chinese kids. Yeah. They really, really bullied me all the way through. Oh, so there was a bit of trouble. Yeah, a bit of, uh, whenever, whenever we meet, we seem to have a, a, a cups more or more or less. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you learn uh, how, to, how to fight quite early on? No, oh, yes, no. Me, me, my mate, and another mate, we 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 gang up together and <laughs> we end up we end up cutters sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So you went through school. What happened after that? Did you university or down to Omaru? What happened? Yeah. No, from primary school, they were quite wrapped that they approved my application to go to Waitaki Boys. Wow. And I reckon Waitaki Boys are one of those high class schools, and uh, I was so happy that I got accepted. Mm-hmm. So you know, I started high school in, in Waitaki Boys. That's brilliant. In, in 1957. It's the same year as Dan Lowe started teaching there. Ah, <laughs> the legend, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, 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 so uh, that's where we met up. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So, so was it um, much of a change going there? I mean, you're probably, I guess, just getting into the system, having spent those previous seven years or so at primary school. But was it was it um, a multi- major cultural change for you getting into Waitaki Boys? No, no, it's fairly well treated. I mean. I wouldn't say there's any discrimination at all. It's mainly more or less the bullying that you put up with. Mm. Uh, I, I actually ended up being caned. <laughs> the only, only Chinese boy that's been caned by the Mia Bomaru. <laughs> Seriously? Yes, uh, some bully pushed me around, so we ended up rolling on the corridor, and he came, he, he came and came to both of us. So, what was the mayor doing at the school at the time? Bill Lady was the mayor at the time. Yeah, he was teaching there. Ah, <laughs> part-time job back then. <laughs> that yeah. could never happen nowadays, Peter. The caning, you mean? The caning, yeah. Yeah. Gary would never no. be allowed to cane anyone. You like to, wouldn't he? Yeah, you like to. You know him well, Peter. No. So, so, what were you interested in? What taking boys like? Um, were you academic? Did you get into sport? Um, yeah, I went through. To I actually do a second year to get my school cert. Yep. And uh, ended up with quite a few mates that done well, even second year at school cert. And I've played hockey. We used to play hockey in Christchurch. It's Canterbury. Canterbury was a strong hockey team. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in the first 11 straight away. And But the, the disappointing part of it was I'd never been given a blazer because hockey was just a minor sport. Mm. And they were only gave me six blazers away each year. So I never got around to getting one. That's injustice. <laughs> well, that's the way the system worked. Rugby was a game. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and there wasn't even soccer then. No, no, soccer was frowned upon back then too. Yeah, and but I ended up uh, 
uh, nominated for the Otago coach in hockey. Huh? But my father wouldn't let me play because I take too much time off work. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were a, you were a day boy at uh, Waitaki yeah, Boys, yeah. and so yeah. I mean, you know, probably the most noticeable other ethnicity when I went to Waitaki Boys was was the Chinese community, and it was usually that next generation. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. you know, yeah, just just the the hard work that they did. You know, they went to school, did their stuff, went home. Work. Straight out working into the, in the in the paddocks and so on. So was that, that the life for you at that time? Yeah, well, I came and lived with my father. I had to do all the cooking, the housework, then all my washing myself, and and helped him in the garden too. Wow, and your homework. Yes, yes. Did you keep connection with your your other family? Back home, um, you know, did you, yeah? Uh, did, I mean, nowadays it's so easy, isn't it, to, to connect with people around the other side of the world? But that, back then, it must have been very difficult. Yeah, I still talk. It's mainly by mail. Uh, the telephones are expensive as they stay, so it's usually communicated by mail. Mm-hmm. But, but I was well looked after by my uncle, so I never, never felt uh, I missed the rest of family life. Right. Mm. And but, uh, it was so busy afterwards, high school, I had to deal with that and, and yep. getting by. Did so, you did you get photos sent backwards and forwards of each other? No, and no cameras in those days, sort of thing. <laughs> Who can afford a camera? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but eventually, it... eventually, I think my father must have went back visit them or whatever. It's only once at okay. the most, I think. Yeah. Mm. Ed, was it saving enough money to bring all the family out? Is that what the long wait was for or was it? Yeah, yeah. I think a long a long wait, uh, mainly to the long wait. Yeah. But by that time, uh, during that time, the family moved from our village to Hong Kong. Yeah. And, and really, the reason... The reason we, the reason how we got to New Zealand, we came out as refugees in 1949, right? Uh, running away from the communists rather than from the Japanese, mm-hmm. because uh, China at that time was uh, in turmoil. They had the civil war and then the, the world war, and so we applied to come out here as refugees, and we, only me and my dad managed to get here at the time. And then after a few years, we we managed to get the rest of the family out. So did they come over? They, they weren't refugees. They they just no, came no, they came didn't. out as um, family members. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Right. It must have been really tough for Dad leaving his wife and daughters behind and trying to start a new life. But that would have been quite scary, wondering how they were doing and if they were safe and who was looking after them. Yes, no, it's quite common amongst uh, most of them uh, in that generation. A lot of them left their families behind to come here and, and make a bit of money. Some don't, mind you. Yeah. Uh, some actually don't meet up for a long time. And I was quite amazed that one man married his wife, left her behind and didn't meet up with her for 50 years. Wow. And they were still, they were still together, like. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's dedication, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah. after you left, what year did you leave Waitaki Boys? I left in 1961, not knowing what to do. I was nominated for prefect, but I actually left. I wanted to be uh, do something else. I wanted to be a teacher. Right. And that that time they were doing pressure courses for one year, but my father didn't like it. So after a year or so, I actually applied to be a drafting cadet, all ready to move in, flat and everything. And my father tracked me back. No, you're working in the garden. Right. Thank so I worked in the garden for a few years, mm-hmm. uh, mixed around town, uh, we formed our own group, a social group, uh, there's a few boys my age, this is my bachelor days, and we started playing basketball, whatever, and we ended up forming the, the basketball teams. We started the Omru basketball group. Yeah. And that involved the people that you know, like the, the first row, the, the winning, gold medal winning eight. Yeah. Uh, Smedley and, as you know, Bill Smedley and yep. that, that group. Yeah. And Bill Smedley, Jock Stansley, all those people, there were, were six teams at the time, and the Dutch the Dutch group, the, the Dutch boys. Oh, they, they had one too. Oh, the De Geese, was it, back then? Yeah, all the De Geese. And yeah. the, main, the main competitors were us and the Dutch boys. Yeah. And the Rome boys, those six foot five or whatever, stomping <laughs> on our toes. <laughs> you would have been too quick for them, Peter. Yeah, we just had to tuck between their legs. <laughs> <laughs> so we started the basketball in Omru. And was that at the drill hall at that time? Or? Yeah, at the, yeah, the drill hall at the yeah. time, yeah. 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 Mm. Oh, that there. And so was that, what, Friday nights or something that you played that? What? No, actually it was competitive games. I don't know, I can't remember what days, but uh, it, it was full on. Yeah. Mm. So and I think uh, the Tikis are still in charge of basketball in town now, either. <laughs> I believe they're there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Involved <laughs> yeah, somehow. Yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. Or yeah. Brian or Susan or, yeah, Carol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very good. So you just carried on working on the farm and what happened? Yeah, well, actually at that time I met, we got our Chinese group and we I organised Chinese boy, uh, teams from other towns too, and we came to Omru. Every year we came to Omru for a tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's quite a few nice girls amongst those groups. That yeah. was a whole idea, I think. Oh, you noticed, <laughs> you noticed them, did you? But my father, and, well, I, didn't feel, I had no thought of getting married at all, but my father said it's the right age for me to get married, and I wasn't interested. <laughs> So he said to me, look, you go back to Hong Kong. You can stay as long as you like, expenses paid. Right. As long as you find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Only one condition. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so, so, I to, so I went to Hong Kong and stayed for 15 months with a wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> and That's uh, where you met Betty. 
you know, yes. I wasn't brave enough to good, ask. Do you, think that, do you think that was a good deal? Yeah. I think you got a, you're got onto a winner there. That was a great deal. Yeah. It's, it's a good investment. Yeah. It's been, it's been uh, giving you a great return for many, many years. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you had to convince her to not only marry you, but leave her family and her home and move halfway around the world. How, how did that happen? No, she, she found that quite hard. Yeah. And not knowing, not... She's only 20 at the time. Yeah. You know, I said to my kids, you know, your mother was married at 20 and you're <laughs> 30 and not married. <laughs> yeah. she, had, she had kids by the time she was 20 and then yeah. your kids, <laughs> that sort of thing. Give, give them a hurry up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, we came back and we started, uh, we managed eventually to buy a property in, in in Browns Road in Elba. Yep. And so, you, so your father was still farming and, and you'd set yeah, off, yeah, uh, you'd yeah, set up on your own. Yeah, by that time, uh, his his other son was able to take over anyway. Right. Yeah, but this, eventually they retired and went, went to Christchurch. Yep. Mm. So is that a younger brother that came out or? Yeah, the younger brother came out. So there was two sisters and a brother that came out uh, when they came out in '61. Yeah. So uh, we were in Browns Road, and later on the Goodsers came along. I know. Yeah, they were. The, I remember them. Like you remember your childhood. I remember those days. I love living out at Alma, and um, we'd jump on our bike and go anywhere, and you take plums off the trees and. And I remember Peter Lee had a sawdust pit at the end of the road and every now and again we'd drive our wee motorbikes through and everything. Well, it was a fun time. Yeah, yeah, and fighting sword fights with Bevan and all that sort of thing. Sword fights and cat guns and, yeah, yeah. No, it was fantastic, yeah. <laughs> and um, playing football together and, um, yeah, going yeah. away on reps and Totra school. So, yeah, well, we, we, we started there with only two glassy houses. Yep. And we ended up we ended up with about six, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so what, a lot more. I don't, what, know, I, don't know, I don't know what stage when Damien arrived. I don't know how many classes we had then, but there was only two classes when we arrived there. So what were you growing? Uh, we, we grew just about everything. Yep. We, had, we had about uh, ten acres of ground. We grew uh, silver beet and Brussels sprouts and lettuce, and mainly the early stuff, early carrots and all that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that hill was actually a microtype, a microclimate there. Yeah. Everything is a bit earlier. And later on, we even grew flowers, even. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And the in the glass houses, what were you growing in there? We were growing tomatoes and, and carnations. We grew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, the I mean, the soils are just so good there, aren't they? Yes, and I remember when the reason why we booked ourselves it was only three percent interest in those days. <laughs> so a good investment. But but eventually it crept crept up to nineteen degree nineteen percent. down to eighteen yeah. percent. Yeah, no, that was tough. Yeah, not in your day, was it, Kerry? Uh, no, no, it's far. I'm far too young for that. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah, it was a challenging time, and yeah, you know, we you know, North Tiger goes through its droughts and things. I mean, how much of an impact was that on on you and your market gardening? Oh yeah, we had we, we had a uh, yeah. I remember 
we had bad droughts. Mm. The whole of our hill was all brown, and and uh, I think in those days the government even uh, put give handouts for during the drought years, even. Yeah. Mm. But it, it wasn't irrigation was was to the same extent as it is now. We didn't have any irrigation. No. Uh, my gardens didn't irrigate at all in those days. They just had a, a big tank on the back of the truck and then carted water from the town fire station back to the gardens and watered each plant one by one. Yeah. With a with a, a tin on the end of a stick like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so, their irrigation. <laughs> it would be a bit scary, really. You've got you've got your crops in, and you're not getting any rain. You you know you if you, if you don't get rain or we don't have water, yeah, there's not going to be any yield at the end for harvesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I still can't understand how did we get on without irrigation, but we managed somehow. I think it's the way we worked the ground. I think in those days. Yeah. We plough deep and then we till it more frequently, and that's what I think we grew good crops without irrigation, and now mm. we can't do without it. Yeah, yeah, very reliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a lot of Chinese moved into the area, especially around Alma and Totra and down almost the Kakanui, it would have been quite a good um, social time with all the uh, all the Chinese people in that. Did you do a lot together? Did you work together? Did you socialise together? Yes, we, we had our own group. Uh, we had our our social group and then we got our Margana's group. And uh, But as far as um, we all come from the same area, so we got on quite well. Oh, back in China, is that a coincidence or? Yeah, no, not by coincidence, by... By choice. Yeah, by choice, because Sanzo's uh, uh, uncle moved there, so we should go there, or, or the villages, you know, the workers around there, that's where the place to go, yep. and end, end up there. We're all from the same county, like. Yeah. Mm. Virtually from the same town, like so, we virtually understood one another. Yeah, because there's, yeah, the, the, there's. I mean, you've got Mandarin and, and Cantonese and, and a whole heap of different dialects around the around the place as well. So that that, that makes a bit of a challenge at times. Uh, to a certain extent, but they they say that. 80% of the world's Chinese are from that, our area. Seriously? Seriously. So they were the adventurous ones? Maybe the poorest ones. The poorest yeah. ones, yeah. Just like the, just like the Irish having to shift out of Ireland because of poverty, well, that's all the same, same reasons for immigration. Yeah. And um, some of the harder working ones that would be the ones too. You generally find. Well, I, I always admire those old ones that come out here with no language and rich, no money, and, and manage to get ahead to where they are now. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's amazing, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, the you, so you talked a bit about sport. You had your social um, organisation and so on. Yeah, um, 
the community, uh, you know, Totra School be- became very well known for all of the Chinese students there. So, you know, was it a really good time for for you and your family? Yes, uh, Totra School was was mainly at its peak was eighty percent Chinese. Mm. And I, I was on the school committee for about 15 years. And I, they say that, that during that time that the Chinese were there, it was just about the richest school in the, in the, in the, in the area. Because uh, every Guy Fawkes Day, they put out veggies for the sales. And, and I think one time... Uh, I organised some banquets and we made a bit of money and, and uh, ended up with the first computers in the district because of all our fundraising. Mm. And we we managed to get a few perks by using our uh, our status. Though we we Chinese people and my parents can't drive, so we, how do we take them to town for dentists? So we managed to get a dental clerk. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we get we get a, a school bus where other other schools couldn't get. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, we, had a, we had a good time in that in that time. Yeah. I don't know whether to thank you or what for that dental clinic. I have <laughs> memories of that dental clinic. And uh, yeah. You, you were there, you were there when we had those big banquets yeah. and everyone took part in. Yep, yeah. fantastic. And I was there <laughs> when we painted the dragon on the wall as well. That's all yeah, the, yeah. the heritage of the. Chinese people down there. We had some yeah. great nights. I the school was great, and the culture was really it was good for me. But it was everyone got on. And no one it was there was no separation between the Chinese and the New Zealanders or whatever. It was everyone just got on like one big family, and that was the best yeah. thing about the school. Yeah, well, quite a few of my mates my age went to that school. And as soon as I came here, you know, instead of, I went to Christchurch. Yeah, and those people went to touch the school. Yeah. And a lot of them, even in my age, they came at a late age and they graduated into lawyers and doctors or whatever, which I couldn't do. Mm. <laughs> you weren't allowed to. No. <laughs> yeah, certainly, yeah, you know, my experience, went to school, there were a lot of Chinese there and um, the kids of, of the migrants and, you know, the, so many of them went off to university and went off, you know, and did greater things. Um some st- still stayed and some are still here, but yeah, the majority you know, took the opportunity, like a lot of migrant groups, to, to get educated and get, get a better life for themselves. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it got to the stage that there's all, all left, left on route to study and there's no one left in town to work the gardens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so a lot of the, um, the Chinese children did leave. They went, I remember uh, Ricky Ning was, he ended up being the Ducks of Waitaki Boy and he's a doctor now and I think. Um, some went on to be lawyers and that from that, and Bevan's now working for the police. So, yeah, I think there was a lot of hard-working parents that really provided for their children. Well, we're doing the research for our Margans book. At that time, there was about 13 Duxes, Chinese Duxes in, in North Otago. Seriously, mm. that's... Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, they were certainly... You know, those, so kid, those kids were known for their hard work and, and just so it's, diligent. Stan Lowe was a duck, I think he boys. Was he really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and a, a family from Kakanui ended up 
one family ended up with two duxes. Yeah. yeah. So all they worry about is getting their kids educated. That's that's yeah. the Chinese uh, way of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it certainly worked, and you know, uh, for a, a culture that we, you know, the kids look after parents and so on. That was obviously. A very good way to make sure that the parents were looked after is look, you know, get your kids educated, get them onto good jobs, and and um, make sure that they they've got a secure life. So, yeah, hats off to them. Yeah, but uh, in saying that, it's a it's a New Zealand is a country that is no bias against whoever whoever gets the job gets the job sort of thing. Mm. There's been an amazing thing about New Zealand throughout. Yeah. Mm. So, so one of the the things you know we talked about is a wee bit of that culture and so on. You talked about the banquets and they were pretty notable, um, at, at, you know, in their day and uh, very popular things for people to go to. Um, the you've talked about the participation in sport. You know, there's there's been acknowledgements in other ways of the culture. There's the the Chinese garden part, the Omaru Public Gardens. That was a project. Were you involved in that particular one? Uh, Jimmy Kong was more involved in, in that Chinese Garden one. Yeah. And that was partly funded through a, a banquet fundraising. At, at, at the time, we had these banquets. We were charging $40, $40 a head. And there's no way you can get that price now because there's McDonald's and all that. <laughs> but it, it was so, so fully supported in those days when we when I was the one banquet, the first one, we had 400 tickets and we oversold. We had to, we had to oversell to meet the demand at $40 a heap at that time. I think it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't cheap. But I think it was um, such a good reputation, such good food. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the Chinese restaurants growing up or take- Chinese takeaways we used to, I remember when I went travelling first and trying new things like Turkish or India, but Chinese we knew, like we knew um, the food from living here in North Otago, and it was quite a normal thing on a Sunday evening to go to Chinese takeaways and get some um, great food. So that was another thing about our history in this town. Yeah, it took a long time. I think the the first restaurant here was the Golden Dragon, I think. Mm-hmm. And actually, the first restaurant in Christchurch, Chinese restaurant in Christchurch, was started by an Omu guy when they left. Right. And from that, everything escalated in Christchurch. Yeah. <laughs> so omru has got just about a lot of connections throughout New Zealand because all the kids and, and leaving Omru and starting going to every every city in New Zealand. Yeah, and 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 overseas, and the Omru Chinese Association still running. I think um, they they have they just had their Chinese New Year um, dinner. I think so. Yeah, it's 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 still there. It's still active. Um, we've got a new wave of uh, Chinese migrants. It's it's quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they're completely different now. I mean, whereas before we had one dialect. Any, by the way, I, I stuck a, a photo of you in, in my Facebook in, involved in the Chinese New Year one year. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Enjoyed that one. And the, the, the 
Chinese community now is a bit more diverse now because lo, lo, China is a big country and somehow they all seem to like coming to Amaru. Yeah. So we end up with Mandarin language and our language is about half a dozen or more language, Chinese languages now. And they they come here and say, oh, what a nice place to stay, you know, and Mm-hmm. And, and I asked them, why do you think it's a nice place to stay? Oh, yeah, we're so friendly and whatever. Oh, that's good. And I said to them, how was that? And they said, well, it's always been like that, hasn't it? They, say, they asked me. No, it's because us oldies yeah. prove ourselves to the to society that we're hardworking, honest people. Mm. And we paved the way for you guys to come here and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been saying to these young migrants. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, we yeah, New Zealand doesn't always have a great history um, with Chinese. You know, thinking back to the poll tax, uh, you know, and things yeah. like that back in the gold mining days. But thankfully, we've moved on a lot from that. Yeah, and definitely, yeah, you're part of North Otago, and so everyone went to school or high school with someone who's. From um, you know, Chinese descent, and yeah, you're definitely right. Hardworking is probably the first word. Um, yep, faithful and loyal and honest, you know, and yeah, it was good. And far too many ducks amongst them. <laughs> yeah, too many ducks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, did you ever? How many times you've been back to China and the and the um, where you grew up? Have you ever been back to the village? I never went back home till after 49 years. Right, yeah. And for what I what what I remembered, when I, the house hadn't changed much. Everything was still there. Wow. The first first we went back, I've always been to saying to the wife that we never had running water, we never had uh, toilets or whatever. And when someone gets gets married, the bride had to go to the village well and draw water. The bride has to. And I'm not sure that she said. <laughs> and the, and the, the water, the water uh, holder was a, like a 200 gallon tank. Yeah. But I told her when I left, it, I said, well, it, it wasn't a 200 gallon tank because it, when I left, it, it, the little wee vase or whatever was only up, was up to my nose. <laughs> so I assumed it was a very big tank, but when we had a look, it was only about. Two foot high. <laughs> <laughs> it must have shrunk. <laughs> yeah. So they, after 49 years, I went back. Everything much changed. Yeah. But, but uh, about eight years after, I went back again. There was uh, running water, there's electric fans, there's phones, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't inquire about the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so were there many people you remembered from, uh, from when you had lived there? Uh, no, not one. So they tried to con me somehow. The one old lady said, that, oh, I remember you. <laughs> right. This old, this old woman said she can remember you, and she's about very old or whatever. Yeah. That mean, you couldn't have got married, and I thought to myself, it was just still in the village. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, otherwise you would have moved off. Yeah. Yeah, I went to, I went to my, my school. 
and uh, it's it's there's no school in the village anymore. Right. And actually, there's there's actually quite just got nobody in school at the village, and everyone everything everyone is gone. There's no hardly any kids there. So everyone's moved to the cities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a challenge around a lot of countries, isn't it? That yeah. People move out of the country and into the cities. Yeah, well, we we stay, we still got a house in in China in our village, mm-hmm. and uh, I went back first time. But the last time I went back, there was a wee bit of damage in the roof, and I should have repaired it. But saying, "Oh, I'm a Kiwi now. Why would I need a house here?" Oh. So last time I heard, because of that, that bit I didn't repair, the water has gone in and actually the house has now collapsed. Has it really? So that's it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I wished I could have, it was only a loose slate. I, should, I wish I should have repaired that slate and the house would have been still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, you've got yourself a new house up in the North Island now, and you're better, you're happy, um, pretty close to family, so that's that, that's very pleasing. Oh, yes, yeah, you know, we're quite comfortable where we are now. Yeah. But uh, it was uh, it was a, it was quite a stressful time when we shifted because it was COVID. Yeah. And after living so many years in Omru, we with friends as old, young and old and, mm. and more or less isolated than when we got here and not knowing anybody too but now now that it's up and up a bit we we feel a bit happy now we um mixing with the rest of, of the, the the society now yeah yeah and especially this year with COVID open i've i've been Inundated with projects, mainly history projects about Omaru. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I put a report into Stronger Waitaki just last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. And uh, I think Omaru requested me to do something about the uh, school curriculum that they're introducing now. Yes. There's a new, they're introducing Chinese history into the school curriculum now. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's uh, very that, good, yeah. So those are sorts of things that I thought I wouldn't need to do anymore, but uh, like you say, I've been there long enough, I've been there, and I know offhand what, how things have been happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that um, the history on the market gardens because it's, it's, there is such a great history there. It's such an important part both of our economy and our, our social side of things in North Otago. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be a great story, I'm sure. Yeah, I think the boom years for Omru was when the, the, the Mar Guns in the 80s, so that's the boom year for the Mar Guns. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, it was a big family, everyone had big families. Yep. So the, the business done well out of the Mar Guns during, during that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you did right, and it was it was a great it was great back in the eighties then, and everything the culture and that. Um, so you were saying you're back in Omru the other week. We could have caught up with you in person, but you one comment you made that you couldn't even get out of the car with people saying hello, just the friendliness friendliness of the town and all that. So that's your that's your memory of Omru. It's been good to you, and you've been good to it. 
yes, yes. Actually, uh, quite a boost of my morale that everyone still remember me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think we forget that quickly. No. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't seek Gary up because I knew I had to make an appointment to see him. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if that was the reason or not, but yeah, it's a good excuse. Peter, if you dangle a cup of, cup of coffee in front of him, yeah, he'll make time. So, yeah, yeah that's oh, well, what I've found, I, yeah. I, I've been asked to come back to play golf at my tower. Oh, <laughs> well. well, there we go. You'll have to look him up next time. Yeah. In fact, Gary yeah. will shout yeah. the coffee to say thank you. And we might even bring Damien along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If you're back down, it would be great to catch up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But so, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I think it's been, it's always a wee bit difficult over, you know, doing this by phone, but, you know, some really interesting stories. You've been involved in such a significant part of North Otago's history. Um, you know, you've been quite critical to a, a number of the projects and things that have gone on around the place. So, you know, thank you for all that. Thanks for sharing some of the stories, the experience of coming to New Zealand as a, as, as a, a wee boy and um, growing up here. It's been really interesting. So thank you. Yeah. All right, Gary. Thank you for asking me. I don't know why you asked me, but it's a good thing to anyway. Uh, we ask you because you've got a unique part of our history, and that's what we're just trying to capture. We're talking about everyone right. in North Otago that makes this area great, and it was yourself and um, the Reggie Joe and Billy Lee and the Youngs and, you know, all those Chinese families that added so much to our community, and uh, we, w- we would look different without you guys here. So you guys have actually, uh, you brought a bit of culture, you brought a bit of um, who you were, and we've blended it together. So we're very appreciative of that, and thank you for your time today um it's been really good talking on the podcast yeah so thanks okay. very much and uh, say hi to betty for us yeah okay. thank you all right take care well, gary that was really interesting it was indeed yeah, yeah um really enjoyed talking to peter i didn't know that like he was my neighbor for years i grew up from five to when i left home and i don't know when mum and dad kicked me out i think went traveling at 21 didn't know any of that history about him coming over as a refugee and that. Mm. I just remember him work. He worked seven days a week, um, probably twenty five hours a day. I think in those days he was always out there in the in the gardens working, and that was so his children could get ahead. And yeah, you know, it was amazing. Well, I think I've known him for a few decades, but yeah, didn't know the backstory. Didn't know how he got here. Yeah. You know, and and just hearing, you know. I mean, we see we see some similarities these days. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a lot of Filipinos that have come over, left family yes. members behind, yeah. come over and worked hard and so on, and so that carries on that that type of thing. But you know, to to know, you know, you're separated from family, from your sister, sisters, and so on, twelve years away yeah. from them, and uh, while well, you're trying to make a better life. But I think you made the good point about nowadays they can contact, they can message, they can Skype, yeah. you know, whatever. Those days you just that was it. You couldn't talk to them. So, no, no um, Peter and his family have just been a real blessing to our community, as as well as many of the other um, family Chinese families. So, it's a good part of history. It was a fantastic talk to him, and um, let's see who we got next week. Yes, looking forward to it. All right, cheers.